the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It really all depends on when you're listening. And welcome into the Lou Sports Talk podcast. We have plenty of exciting things to discuss on this lovely Saturday morning, including the regular season being officially over for the Blues. We're going to break down how they fare in the Western Conference and against their first-round opponent, the Minnesota Wild. Also, the NFL Draft is still going on, but the first round happened this past Thursday. We're going to discuss some of our biggest winners, losers, along with other stuff to do with the draft. That's Brandon Big Poppy Gallegos. That's TJ Williamson. I'm Ethan Hannaford. Boys, how we doing? Good. Loving it. A crisp Sunday, Saturday morning. Ooh. Chris, Sunday. that's a good word. I know. Sunday, Saturday, ahead. Ahead, baby. All Back weekends. It <laughs> Back it up, Derek. <laughs> okay, uh, we're that's awake. An, that's we're enough awake. of we're that. All right. Of. The Blues, obviously, regular season finishing up last night, uh, Friday night, with a 7-4 to loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. They end up finishing the regular season third in the Central. That's crazy. 109 points, and you finish third in your division. A record of 49-22-11. That 109 points ties for third most in a season in franchise history. Here we go. Phenomenal season for the Blues. Yeah, mm. uh, no kidding. Early in the season, so much lack of identity in the net, troubles with uh, the defense, uh, and and look how they finish up. Very impressive overall finish for the Blues. They will now face the Minnesota Wild in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They did not earn home ice advantage in that Ooh. final stretch, um, <laughs> which which shows up a couple of things. They'll be on the roads for game one and t- games one and two. We'll be going to game six, boys. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We'll <laughs> be excited. Papa Guy Egos, too. <laughs> <laughs> Give a shout out. Shout out to Papa Guy <laughs> um, Okay, so the series is set to begin on May 2nd. Um, you know, there's a couple of different things that we're going to discuss, but we'll go ahead and we'll start off just with in the entire Western Conference as a whole. The Blues are right there in the mix with a lot of talent. You have Colorado, obviously, Minnesota. Um, Calgary's in there. Um, there. You have Edmonton. There's there's a lot of talent in the mix for this Western Conference, and you could throw in a few names, and I think that the the majority of the country wouldn't be too surprised with who ends up yeah. in the final spot representing the Western Conference. So, Brandon, I'll ask you, how does this team truly fare in the Western Conference? Yeah, and honestly, before I'll even answer that question, I'll just throw this throw this out there in general. I mean, even out in the East. Uh, every all eight playoff teams were above a hundred points, a hundred oh points in the gosh. standings. It's the first time in NHL history all eight te- all all eight playoff teams in a conference qualified with over a hundred playoff points. This is a tough, tough playoff group of sixteen teams. Uh, you're right. I could look at this, and I mean the NHL playoffs are unpredictable already as it is. But I could look at this and see honestly thirteen to fourteen teams that if they get hot. They could go all the way, especially in the East. You look in the East, I mean, first-round matchups are Washington, uh, Florida. You have New York and Pittsburgh, Toronto, Tampa Bay. My goodness. Now, to answer your question in the West, uh, how do we fare against Minnesota? I think we fare well. Uh, we were uh, we 
Uh, we're three and zero against them uh, this year in the regular season. Now twelve the, one and one in the past fourteen meetings. You gotta love that. that you gotta love that. And then against the entire Western Conference, we're uh, thirty four ten and six um, and fifty games against the Western Conference this year. So that that is a good record going into the playoffs. Sure. Now I know these last couple games didn't look didn't didn't look well to me. I'm not panicking. Uh, you got guys like Braden Shin, Robert Bertuzzo, who are one to be 100% for the playoffs. You sit them uh, out of the lineup. Um, if there ever was a couple games in the NHL that were, uh, I wouldn't say blow-offs, but time to rest your playoff players, yeah, it would but be there's, then. There's a balance too, right? Like you want to win the games you're in. And we sure. had a chance to get home ice, so sure. I was I was moderately worried. Yeah, I, Not enough. To me, I, the NHL is different than other um, sports to where, honestly – Home ice advantage, it, it does matter, but I would rather have a healthy Braden Chen and Robert Bortuzzo and be the third seed. And you look at what this team has done in the past on the road. I mean, you look back to Road Warriors. You look back to 2019, yeah. this team was better on the road than they were at home. Yes. And and I, and it was, oh man, it was probably a couple of weeks ago that they asked Braden Chen about home ice advantage and how big of an importance that is. And, he's, and, and he said that he doesn't really care. So that just yeah. tells you a lot of these guys probably, you know, would it be nice, you know, to have four out of seven at home potentially? Sure. But I think that for a lot of these guys, I, I think they probably don't care. I think there's probably something about playoff hockey and having your backs against the wall for game one and two. Like, hey, we got to start off. We cannot find ourselves with a lackadaisical start. Like, yeah. not saying that it's more likely for that to happen at home. But it could be. It, yeah. You're comfortable where you are sure. rather than, okay, you're on the road, backs against the wall, got to go on, you got to get yeah. the job yeah. done. And I think that this Blues team, well, we know this Blues team is good at getting the job done. They've proven here in the yeah. last couple of years. Um, so, no, I think that when you look at it, I think there are a couple of different teams, um, especially in the West, that you could throw in as as the top dog. This is, this is kind of a tough question, Brandon, but w- when you look at – the West. I think I think you probably have to give the favorite spot to Colorado, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. they've deserved that. Calgary's a close second with okay, the way they play. With ask. the way they where, play. Where do you think you could you could almost I feel like put these teams in tiers of yeah. like favorites yeah. to mediocre favorites yeah. to the bottom. What range would you put the Blues in? I'm going to try to be unbiased in this, TJ. If you want to go, you, you can go ahead. You look like you're about to jump on. <laughs> no, I was just like going to say, I was just going to throw out there. the Bleacher Report uh, stat, just saying that the Blues are considered as the ninth best team. And that was like seven days ago. Okay. And, okay. and there's a different things, too. I saw one a couple of days ago. I don't want to throw out who I think it was. Oh, man. It may have been the Athletic. I, I don't want to throw that out there, though, for sure. Um, that said, the Blues were the, the fifth favorite to win the cup right now. Yeah. So I mean like I mean that that varies. Yeah. So, I mean, different different different, <laughs> different spots, different I, I think to answer your question as far as as far as tiers go though, I I mean that's a valid question. You see that heading into the playoffs all the time in the NHL. Calgary and Colorado uh, to me are in a tier of their own right now. Okay. Calgary with the way they play, their coach Daryl Sutter um is absolutely phenomenal. Um I also think that uh, the Blues are in that second tier. I would say they're right there with Minnesota. I think something that St. Louis fans have to remember, because you know, if you're out there listening, you're thinking, well, we've been the hottest team in the last month. Actually, we've been the second hottest team. Guess who's been the first hottest team? The Wild. The Minnesota Wild. Mm. Good answer, since the <laughs> end, yeah, good answer. Good uh, since the end of, let's see, second to last week of March, if you were to take the Blues and the Wild record, 
it would add up to 31, 6, and 5. Yowzer. 31, 6, Yikes. and 5. The Wild have been just as hot as the Blues. Okay, so like I think a lot of us are, are liking the matchup against Minnesota. We like how it looks in the first round. We've had success against them in the past. The last two times we've played them in the playoffs, we've taken them out in less than six games, which is what we're hoping to do in game six, boys, and we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. But Knock on wood. But there you go. <laughs> uh, genuinely, genuinely, I, I think we need to watch out and not skip over this first-round matchup. Because yeah. oh, the yeah. while, it, it, I was listening to uh, to Curbs a couple of days ago, and he had a really good point. The uh, For those of you who don't know, Blues radio announcer, Chris Kerber. Hit him up on Twitter. Um, so... <laughs> He was saying that actually these are two different style of teams, and they've actually flipped. The Blues game is a lot more skill. It's up and down the ice, a lot more goals on the rush, and puck possession. The Wild, a lot more gritty team. A lot more, honestly, playoff-style looking team. Mm-hmm. Big bodies. Uh, Eric Erickson Eck. Uh, you, got, you got absolute Hartman. grinders. Hartman. I mean, just pest, which is what you won the playoffs. Um, the only thing I, I like... That. So I would say they're pretty evenly matched. But what I would say, I still like the Blues because of their experience, and I like them because of their goaltending. Uh, I I know Flowers, Marc-Andre Fleury has had the, the resume as, of a Stanley Cup champion, but I don't think he is the goaltender that he used to be. And so I like the Blues goaltending, and um, I like our skill up front to, yeah, to push us sure. through the series. I think it would be really easy to look at, oh, 12-1-1 in the past 14 and to say that this is going to be a series that favors the Blues. Absolutely. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. That is not the case. I mean, you yeah. look at, especially this year, I mean, 12-1-1, and and like, that's a great stat, but what really matters is the games from this year. And what we yeah. saw was a winter classic game that was played in negative 24 degree weather. Okay. Classic. So it's hard to, so it's, yeah, that was awesome. Classic. It's really hard to, it's really hard to credit that because it's such a unique environment. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly had frost on his beard for crying out loud. I mean, so it's he such still looked good though. He, did, he really did. It's such a unique environment. It's hard to really count that game as a as a as a as a fa- not fair. Just, you you guys know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last couple of games that have been played in the past month have gone to overtime, and the mm-hmm. Blues have won in three on three yeah. overtime. Then, for those that don't know. The playoffs have five-on-five five overtime, and you play until someone scores, meaning you that you go into two overtimes, three overtimes. We saw a couple years ago a game in the playoffs going to three overtimes because no one no one yep. scored. Yep. Um, I think it was Tampa Bay. I think it was that that game was. It was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point being is that Minnesota's talked a lot about how they are confident in their skill and how they have competed with the Blues at five-on-five. Five. So I don't think that – this is really anything to be concerned about for the Wild, the the success the Blues have had. Um, because when it comes down to it, the latest games have been right there. Yeah. I mean, watching those last two games, I mean, the Blues, I mean, it's been great to watch. It's been excitement. It has been playoff hockey yeah. um, to the exact extent. So I'm looking for. this is going to be a really exciting series. Um, I, obviously, the kryptonite for right now, like you mentioned a little bit, is the forward depth for the Blues. I mean, nine goal scorers scoring 20, nine players scoring a minimum of 20 goals. I mean, yeah. when was the last Unheard time? of on a when Blues team. When was the last time sure. you heard of a Blues team? Doing yeah. Unheard of. It just goes to show that we have a different identity than that 2019, 2018 yeah. team. Um, 2018-2019, we had three people scoring more than 20 points going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We have nine now. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. The 10th best, the 10th highest scoring points uh, player on our team would be fourth highest sco- uh, point scorer on yeah. the on yeah. our championship team. But I mean, you got to give credit to playoff magic in that in that round. I mean, 
goaltending comparing back then. Bennington, 24-5-1. Huso this year, 25-6-6. Yeah. Pretty similar numbers. And then Jake Allen from last from last time, 19-17-8. And, and now Jordan Bennington kind of fitting that role of 18, 14, and four. Yeah. So you have a pretty similar you have a pretty similar uh, pattern you see from goaltending. The main difference is Huso is giving two point four seven uh, goals per game up, mm. and Bennington was giving one point eight nine. So I'm hoping that that trajectory changes yeah. in the playoffs. But there's definitely still potential for a hot Blues team to continue that streak. I, I think the the Blues' biggest worry is going to be on the defensive side of mm-hmm. the game, which is which is the first time we'll ever say that with a Barube-style team. Yeah, It's the first time we've said that in his uh, in his time here in St. Louis. Uh, looking just at the splits here between Minnesota and St. Louis, same exact record in the month of April, 12-2-2 two, and two through 16 games. Something to keep in same mind. Same exact record. Something to keep in mind also is Minnesota is a scary, Minnesota. scary good team at home. Yeah. They do, rarely do they yeah. lose at home. So if there's a if there is one team you you talk about the thirty one eight and two at home, exactly. So if yeah. you talk about a team that you don't want to go into, you know a uh, road ice disadvantage, home ice advantage for the Wild, and it, it's it, it's probably Minnesota. Um, so that does bring up maybe a potential couple of concerns. Um, but like we mentioned, the Blues are a team that likes to play with their backs against the wall. I will say this on Friday yeah. night, the Wild played Colorado. Colorado ended up losing the game. It's hard to really get an idea though, because Colorado was resting a couple of their of their top dogs. The biggest takeaway from that game, though, I think, was not necessarily that the Wild ended up winning that game, but it was the loss of Marcus Foligno. Yeah, um, Marcus Foligno um, exited the game, and the guy that had put the put the hit on him ended up serving a five minute major game misconduct. Um, and as a result, it's looking like he's going to miss some time. Um, He's getting. I mean, which it's it's extremely unfortunate for unfortunate. for him. But I mean, you talk about how it helps the Blues. Um, there's some questions as to how. First off, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to slow down this Blues offense if you are the Wild. One of the nice things, though, for the Wild is they are the team that gets to uh, make the last changes to their lines um, to dictate some of those matchups. So when you look at how you face off against a team like the Blues, who have three dominant lines in Sato, Riley, Perron, Buchnevich, Thomas, and Tarasenko, and then Barbashev, Shen, and Kairou, it makes it a little bit difficult for how you're going to handle that. Um, probably you're going to have Greenway, Eric Sinek, and Foligno facing off against that Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko line. That's their best defensive forward line. Yeah. However, now you have to figure out what you're going to do in that situation. That puts a huge dent in the Wilds' plan for how they're going to slow down this Blues team when you don't have your most productive line together Um Arguably, so that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on for the Blues, um, yeah. and if Foligno ends up, uh, you know, playing in the series or not. Yeah, I, I won't say you you covered it pretty well with the Wild, but I will say that Curtis McDermott, the 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 man who lays the hit on him for Colorado, he's played in fifty eight games this year, four points on the year, third line defenseman, has played <laughs> most of his time in the AHL. He comes up and he takes out one of the Wild's <laughs> key players in game eighty two. Game eighty two. He's a hitman. Oh my god! Uh, it is. It is. And the Avalanche have had the what Central the Division the locked up for the last month. <laughs> what did they do for the last month? And they take him out. Um, 
I tell you what, no mercy. If, if if he comes up and plays in the playoffs and somehow the Avs and the right Wild now. play in the second round, we hope not. But yeah. if that happens, he's going to want to be a healthy scratch. <laughs> or or Blues players listening because we know the Blues listen. He's Watch out be, for that guy. He's going to be he's going to be Robert Thomas and uh, the 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 entire Avalanche yeah. team is going to be Tory. If you're reversing the Avalanche and you Tory and you see a player you don't know, run. Yeah, <laughs> I, guys, I'll say this. I'll say this. I the in closing. The, the Blues to get through the Western Conference, this is not going to be easy, even if we get through Minnesota, because you have Colorado waiting. They're going to blow through Nashville. You could say the same for every single team, though, oh in, my this, God. in this you, you Western could. Conference. You, you could. I think more so in the East. I think in the Pacific, I honestly think if Calgary gets knocked out and you're a team like Edmonton, um, I, I don't think Edmonton gets to the Western Conference if they're in the Western Conference Finals if they're in the Central Division. I think Calgary's the team to beat out West, and then you got to get through the Central Division. Um, it, it, it's going to be an interesting, and we've never seen this type of blues team get into the playoffs yeah, like yeah. this. It's going to be really fun to watch down the stretch. Looking forward to it. The playoffs are always a blast in St. Louis and it's an excited, it's exciting now that it feels like for the first time we have a actual back to normal full season, 82 regular season games, yeah. playoff time. First time it's happened since 2019. So we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to move on now, get to the NFL draft. NFL. TJ's bouncing out of his chair the first time we're talking about the <laughs> NFL. Giggity. Um, <laughs> so let, let's go ahead and let's just start off with this. I mean, uh, the NFL draft, first round took place on Thursday night. There were some surprises. There were some teams that made big moves. Um, for moving, better or for worse. Moving some you know, top-level players. Um, but we're gonna keep this pretty top level as of now, as to you know, not going super detailed into one yeah. specific team. We want to keep this more so who we think were our biggest winners, biggest losers, and talk about some of those different things. Um, just to kind of summarize the draft and uh, our takeaways from it as a whole. So we'll go ahead and let's start off with the biggest winners of the draft. And TJ's gonna, I think, lose it if I don't go to him first. So TJ, biggest winner of the NFL draft. Who are you going with? Yeah, it's kind of confusing. I think there are a couple of top. Uh, there are a couple of top guys, a couple of top contenders for that spot. But I honestly really appreciate that the Carolina Panthers did not take a quarterback with their very first pick. I think it's a trap a lot of people fall for of we have all these problems and a quarterback will save it, and that's not always the case. It's a lot of pressure to put on these young guys who, quite honestly, in this draft, weren't even prepared to take that load in the first place. So I think the Panthers are probably my first one, and I will defer to other people until – I, I think I haven't heard what I want to hear. So. Yeah, I I have the Lions as my winners. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the second Stud. overall pick, and then 12th overall pick, Jameson Williams. St. Louis native. Shout out, STL, Jameson Williams. I, I like both of those picks. Uh, I, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because I, I feel like this – Feel like this will lead to more discussion either way. Well, yeah, you know, you look at just real quick off of that, you look at the Lions and what they were able to add and just kind of in that rebuilding process. It we see teams successfully rebuild um and can get back to that level of success. The Lions haven't really been at that level, I guess you could say for a little while. Um, but it seems like w since moving Stafford, it's like okay, clear rebuild time rather than like just like being okay with being a six-win team. Um, and now it seems like they're trying to rebuild. And it seems like the moves they've made here in the last couple of years in the first round, last year getting Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson uh, Williams now. I like the direction that they're going with some of these guys that you could very well see being future 
stars for the franchise. So I, I like the direction that they're moving. I, I could know. argue Dan Campbell being their coach would uh, would put a stop to that. I don't really I don't like him as the head of that rebuild. Mm. But that's that, a different that's, that's a different conversation though. That is, I, think, about, I think he's perfect for what they have, but. I think Aiden Hutchinson is that same type of guy. He's the gritty Michigan, earn it yourself, Dan Campbell style kind of guy. But I agree. I think I think a lot of coaches get the brunt of the blame, and the Lions tend to be a really crappy organization. So, so probably get fired. So. Another another team I think that we have to at least bring up that had a lot of success in the draft is the Jets. The oh, Jets. Yeah. It's so funny because the Jets you can almost go year to year. They're all always trying to rebuild and half the time, yeah, good good work Jets in the draft and half the time you're like what is going on yeah. with this team? And I'm uh, kudos to the Jets. They they made some moves. They improved in areas that they needed to improve in. Sauce Gardner is a great pick. Sauce. Is a great pick at 4 and then they were able to add at the wide receiver position with Garrett Wilson in the 10 spot. I love those two picks. Um, had and then also Jermaine Johnson at the bottom so um, of the draft in the first round at 26 out of Florida State. Um, so a couple of really solid moves. You knew that they were the favorite potentially to be the winners because they yeah. had three first round I mean, picks, but they but they made out well. I think so. Yeah, you have to throw them in as a winner as well. So I think that you could probably summarize that those are three of the bigger winners. There's definitely other teams that did win. Yeah. Um, you could throw in maybe like a Giants or even the Saints, I think. Um, yeah. But um, I think you could probably argue those are the top three. Yeah. And, I mean, outside of that, I really like what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Big baby Jordan <laughs> Davis. He's huge. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. I think all the- that to go 6-11. and 11. Yeah, oh, all yeah. that to go six and eleven. I mean, I don't know. The NFC is pretty weak. I think they could still make the playoffs. But I disagree one hundred percent. Okay, the Cowboys you heard it are here live. The Cowboys will run away with. We the got NFC another East. apology coming from Brandon in about seven months. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so AJ Brown. The problem with the Eagles is their general manager knows how to accumulate picks, but doesn't know how to hit on his picks. So if you trade picks for guaranteed success with uh, AJ Brown, I think is a well worthwhile um, trade. And then. Jordan Davis, I thought from the very beginning, he should have been a top five pick. I think big boy, four, seven, eight. Oh my gosh. You you got to play to be a top four pick. You got to play. He had that wrist injury two years ago. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's going to be on the field enough to be a top four if pick. If you think J- Jason Pierre-Paul can play with one less, like three less fingers, what? He's got like seven fingers total. Then, I mean, at the end of the day, Jordan Davis can play with a busted arm or whatever. He's so big. That's not where he makes his money. He doesn't to make me, his money his three hands. years from now, to me, we're going to be looking back, and Jordan Davis will still not have played a full season in the NFL. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. That's hot a hot take. take. <laughs> That's a hot take. I don't, I don't think you have enough proof to say that. And if it does end up going that way, kind of lucky. But I, I just don't see enough on the tape to say Jordan Davis isn't going to work out in the NFL. A nagging wrist injury all through your college career isn't enough. Isn't enough. Yeah, the same way seven fingers total for Jason Pierre-Paul isn't enough to stop him from being a Super Bowl winner. Jason Pierre-Paul had a career before he blew off his fingers, though. Jordan Davis had a career, too. That's why he's a first-round pick. In college, though. <laughs> he, had a, he had a career in college, though. And that's all you need to prove that you're good in college. Not a, there's a difference between a top-four pick mm. and then... Mm. In this draft, there's really not. There's no Look clear. The there's, right now. Okay, you could take the lineup from this draft and put it in other drafts, and they're second round picks. But because it's this draft, it's their first round picks, and you you can't you can't say anything about that. What I'm saying is Jordan Davis. You look at the body style he has. Um, they call him a bigger Vince Wilfork. That is terrifying. <laughs> and he can run that like a, a mofo. Joke. <laughs> no, hey, hey. He can well, run like a boy, mofo. Vince, never mind. 
You run like a mofo. <laughs> My only problem is they have Fletcher Cox. They don't need Jordan Davis. They just kind of doubled up on that position. That's the one thing I will say. If he doesn't play, it'll be because Fletcher Cox is taking up more of the time, not because he's in. Him and that cool-looking face mask. Mm. Fletcher it was Cox. fun just get to sit sit back and watch you guys just sit chat, hot in here. Chat, chat, <laughs> okay. Wear a hoodie. All right. Wow, wow, in, wow. Okay, that's enough of that. All right. In the meantime, we're going to move on to our biggest losers of the draft. Okay. There it comes. Uh, there's obviously, I think we can agree, one one main, <coughs> one, one main nom, 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 loser nom. in this. Can we get a one, two, three? Green Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Oh, we no, all agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, obviously yeah. Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay But we'll, we'll talk about that more in the National Nine. Yeah, so, so I think we can agree that the, the Packers are obviously the biggest loser. But I will say this. I think that another, in my opinion, big loser that you could throw in, um, not specific to a team, more so a player, Malik Willis, projected to go sixth overall to the Panthers, drops to the third <laughs> round. Kuiper was goodness. way wrong. Bo Cunningham, wrong anyone? <laughs> anyone? Anyone get it's, that joke? No. no. We were talking. Drafting? I didn't. Sorry. I'll listen to oh, this, and then good, I'll get the That is the a classic, yeah, though. Yeah. Bo Cunningham? No. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, sorry, we'll just scratch it. Scratch it. Whatever. 5% okay. of our viewership will know that joke. <laughs> um, okay. So, no, I think that, I mean, you look at a guy that was projected to go sixth overall, drops to the third round. I mean, who would have thought this? I mean, one of the bigger, like, drops, I think, at least in recent NFL history, um, really crazy. Did not expect him to drop that low. I could yeah. have seen him going end of the first round, early second round, potentially. Yeah. Wow. Did not expect I mean, this drop. If you look at it as a lo- as that's a losing position for Malik Willis, I disagree. I think Malik Willis will end up being a better quarterback because he dropped to either A, a better team, and B, a later team, so there's less expectation. What about one, the, one of the things that killed Baker Mayfield's cha-ching? draft one of the things that killed Baker Mayfield's draft is the fact that he was number one overall. So he was compared with Peyton Manning. He was compared with all these really good players. And Malik Willis doesn't have to have that comparison anymore because he's not the first quarterback off the board. I think it sets you up for, for failure to be the first quarterback off the board. I think football players want to play, though. And so if he goes he's to another play team early. Point. Yeah, but if he goes to another team earlier in the draft, he's going to get that chance a lot quicker. He's going and, to Tennessee. And he he would have busted. He will not, potentially. But football, that wasn't my argument. My argument is football players want to play. Yeah. And so... If he's going to Tennessee, he's not going to play this year, and he probably isn't going to play next year under Tano's contract. Does I, he, I mean, Russell Wilson line. was a third-round pick. He does played. He, does <laughs> he play – would he have played in Carolina? Uh, yeah, but I don't think he's playing winning football because he has no offensive line. Because in does this winning, case – I mean, don't. look at all the teams. Peyton Manning went to, what, 3-13 and 13 in his first year in, in the Yeah, league. but I mean, the NFL's changed. They're not waiting on a 3-13 and 13 quarterback anymore. If Trevor, they had a Peyton Trevor Manning, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yeah, sure, you can make the argument. Urban they, Meyer. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, they, they waited like two years of, of through crap to try to get Trevor Lawrence. And now, I mean, they have Trevor Lawrence, and they pay Christian Kirk. I don't know if I see Trevor Lawrence working out. That's beside the point. What I'm saying is Malik Willis is going to have higher value later on because he had – because um, he's a be- bigger steal, I should say, because he waited. They waited All I know is he's, he's hurting a little bit right now because he lost out on a few bucks. That's fair. That's fair. But if he does good enough, he'll make enough money later. Um, I'm not a big fan of what the Baltimore Ravens did, if I'm being honest. So I really like – I know it's a hot take. I really like the fact (laughs) that Kyle Hamilton, he's a stud. Tyler Lindenbaum is a stud. What's the one thing the Ravens do well? Or the two things they do well? They play defense well and they run the ball. They run the ball. So you you draft an offensive lineman, a really good offensive lineman, he's going to be a hit. And then Kyle Hamilton, he's going to be a hit. But – what you're not doing is getting better at the wide receiver position. And in fact, you actually trade a player away to, so now Lamar Jackson has one less player to throw the ball to, and it's just going to be a run heavy offense. 
it's going to diminish Lamar Jackson's career. He's not going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback if they keep drafting like this. Call me crazy, but to me, this just screams that they're not ready to compete this year. To me, it, it seems that they're a bubble team, and they said, "Okay, we're going to take a year. We're gonna we're gonna regroup, not rebuild, regroup." I don't know. To me, were they? I think they were a fringe playoff team with the roster they had with Hollywood Brown on it. I don't know. What are your guys' take on that? I also like what their second round included. I mean, they were able to get a really solid at 45, 45th overall. We're able to get David Ojabo out of um, out of Michigan. More defense. I think. I, I I don't know. I like the way that they're building up. Yes, their defense has been strong in the past, but you look at a team if they are to draft a wide receiver, TJ, mm. are they a team that is competing? For a spot in the playoffs, no. But I mean, if this is a so, does it change anything? If this is a quarterback's league, you want to keep your quarterback happy. It's not a good sign when your quarterback tweets out WTF whenever. I mean, their quarterback was already unhappy. I mean, there's already issues going on around. I mean, around that probably has more to do with the fact that he doesn't have his own agent. Like he's just not a very good negotiator. Whenever it comes to how does he get his own money? I mean, Um, fair enough. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean. I'm hes- I think I'd have to lean with Brandon more so on this side of you look at w- the way that they've drafted so far, right? You look at how they've kind of set their team up. Day two, I think that they had a, a really solid day. And overall, I think I've liked what they've done. Yeah, they lost Hollywood Brown. They were able to get another pick in the first round because of it. Am I correct? No, yeah, they did. So, so I mean, so, I, th- I think I like the way they're building it up as to maybe they go after someone in free agency. Maybe they, maybe they go a different direction with – where they try to That's add fair. that weapon. That's so, fair. I mean, I think I, overall... Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are still available in free yeah, so, so there's, that's still, a fair there's still guys available out there um, that have had that consistent success and I think would probably, like, you look at the way that Lamar plays, mm. I think would probably fit well with him. I don't... You can, you can probably make an argument for, you know, what kind... I don't know. You look at the NFL today, right? It... And especially at the quarterback position, guys want their money, they right? Do. And it brings almost this selfish sort of attitude to the team that I'm higher above you. AJ right? Brown, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what exactly. happened with AJ Brown. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Vrabel said that AJ Brown was not going to get traded. That he start doesn't show up to the right. voluntary practices. I mean, all these things happen. It is a selfish league, and is that the league? Is that the guy you want? A young guy or young receiver? following up and looking up to a guy like Lamar Jackson and saying this is what is okay. I don't know if it is with the culture that Harbaugh is trying to continue to like forge back mm. to with his team. So I'm okay with what they have drafted so far. I will say, I will say of all of the AFC divisions, the AFC North is the one that could probably use the most work. I don't know if I believe that Pittsburgh's a legitimate team. I don't know if I believe any more Baltimore's a legitimate team. And the Browns are totally dependent on how much Deshaun Watson plays. And then, I mean, the Bengals will be solid. But I just think there's a time to go get an offensive player and not an old one, and it should have been it should have been. I, I, would, I can agree with you on that point because, like, I mean, right now, if you want to compete in the AFC, AFC you have to put all your chips on the table. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's what everybody else is doing. You have, you have eight or nine teams that have already done that. You'd be <laughs> the 10th team doing it. Um, uh, my, my big loser, real quick. Segue into that AJ Brown talk uh, is the Titans actually. I think yeah. it's an unfair comparison to, to compare Traylon Burke to AJ Brown. Yeah. Um, yes, they have a closer forty time. Yes, size, all those things. And NFL comp. I mean, their comparison is similar, but yeah. Yes, I I, I understand that it's similar, but Tannehill is not. You need a good wide receiver, veteran wide receiver core to go with Tannehill. Tannehill is not going to 
put a team on his back and team's carry. Team's also him. still it's not built happen. on Derrick Henry, though. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. I would agree. It is. Yeah. It's a conservative. It's a conservative. Offense, what the Titans obviously. have done with their draft is do a whole lot of nonsense to make the team at least back to par to what they were last season. He's younger. Yeah. And and like you said, it, it actually kind of. I mean, AJ Brown's only twenty four, so I mean, like how, how much younger that they exactly. get? Well, it, it makes it. Yeah. It's a young boy. It, don't even go down the whole AJ Brown discussion because if you. I, he, he just wanted more money. That's all For he sure. wanted. Yep. Okay. All right, TJ. T- National Nine time. Take sure. it away. Here we go. So, transitioning over to NBA basketball. Wait, what's that? NBA. NBA. I've never heard of it. Missouri Baptist Association. The WNBA. NBA. I'm so confused. Nah, nah, nah. NBA. So, Boston Celtics, they sweep the Brooklyn Nets, one of the most talked about teams in the league, and Kevin Durant. So then, do, should the Nets blow up their team, or do you guys think they should run it back? No, I think they're fine right now. I mean, they first off, they still have cap space because it's the NBA, mm. uh, and then second yeah. off, uh, <laughs> they're they're fine. They have the talent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't stand the talent personally. I'm not a KD or Kyrie guy, mm. um, but no, they 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 shouldn't blow it up. I do think they need to add some pieces um, around them. I think they built the entire team on the on two guys that honestly are natural distractions. They are. Um, you need so, you need yeah. some solidity yeah. in that. Ethan, you got any opinions on that? You know, I I think I, I think I probably have to agree for the most part. I mean you that but that's today's NBA, right? That's today's NBA no, it, is it building is. your team on those stars. I mm-hmm. mean, wh- when could we have imagined five years ago that we were looking at a, Le- a team with LeBron James that doesn't mm-hmm. even make the playoffs? LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, as a matter mm. of fact. So, I mean, that's just today's Westbrook. NBA. Um, Westbrook. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, that's all I have to really say on that. Yeah, I'll add to that. That um, I definitely think, logically, you can make the argument that the Nets should stay together. Although, there are three players in the NBA that I dislike more than any others. James Harden, who is on the Nets. Kyrie Irving, who is on the Nets. And Kevin Durant. And so, I Harden, would be a fan. I would be a fan. I'm kind of. I kind of like having a team. It's like, yeah. I can focus any hatred I have for basketball on that team. <laughs> but at the same time, I hate seeing them succeed. Yeah. So I don't want to see them win a championship in the future. So I'd say blow it up. But that's my own personal opinion. Uh, and then adding to the Nets, Ben Simmons. Would he have made any difference in that series if he were playing? Absolutely yes, he makes that. a difference. Huge difference. Really? Yeah, they're, they're lacking points in the paint, and Ben Simmons brings that. That's do, exactly do what they the, the Nets the are Do they win the series? Prob- I, don't, I don't know if he makes that much of a difference, but do they get swept? Uh-uh. No so, shot. So you're saying... The last time we saw Ben Simmons was an ill-confident, supposed to be LeBron James-like small forward who just couldn't even – he couldn't drive. In the Philadelphia market, though. Yeah, in and now you're going to New York. Now you're going getting, to Brooklyn. I, I, no, I understand, but getting absolutely pressed. He, he, has, he has two guys with KD and Kyrie that are right there with – they got bullied around the net. In yep. this series. The Celtics absolutely <laughs> the bullied, bullied them. The around the net. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, Oof, I know. The, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I think – he could have contributed something, but I just think they were outclassed by the Celtics. I like the Celtics' chances. They play an old school, old school style game. Shout out to Tatum, St. Louis I mean, native. They rebound like you read about. Yep. Like you read about. Fundamentals, baby. You like that steal? No. Banger. Okay. So going back to wide receivers, Debo, Debo Samuel. Why hasn't he been moved? Why hasn't he been paid? I think Yikes. it has to go down with as well. You think you could ask similar questions about other teams. I think you could probably throw in that the 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 market for him right now, the 49ers are probably asking a lot for him. I Holy mean, smokes. based off of, I mean, 
My goodness, I can't imagine what the draft stock for him was going into it because you I'm have done. to know there's teams that called. You have to oh, know for sure when guys like AJ Brown get moved. You know when there's guys getting moved, um, you, you know that people are asking about it, and it has to be through the roof right now. So I imagine that's probably something to do with it. You look at what he did. I mean, he was literally the heart oh of that gosh, 49ers yeah. team, making it all the way almost to the Super Bowl. I mean, with without Debo, they're not a playoff team. Without Debo, no. they win six games. But but do you think the reason that he's not getting paid is because he's saying I don't want to play running back anymore. He's saying I want to be a wide receiver only and that's not the role that that's not the role. Yeah, I I think there is something to that, but I mean at the same time um ultimately the the 49ers have all the leverage, right? Yeah. Yeah, the draft has gone by, so there's a lot of your trade opportunities. I personally, I I could still see him on the 49ers come the time the season starts because I don't know where he's headed. I don't know who wants to pay him. And honestly, um if you're the 49ers, you don't have to get rid of them. No, you don't. I'm, I'm kind of glad. I think the Jets lose the draft if they go get Debo Samuel because they would have given up way yeah, too much capital absolutely. to go and get him. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Good take. Yeah. For sure. And so, and also, it would have been a wide receiver. Again, it wouldn't have been Debo Samuel. It would have been hoping that he his receiving makes up for this, the fact that he's the not The A.J. Brown him. trade changes everything, too. For sure. It changes everything. Because that's him. the market now. You it, have to it, get that much. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. I believe we were talking earlier this week about the Oakland Athletics and how their fans are turning on them. Yeah, so last week, uh, Baltimore Orioles versus the Oakland A's at the Coliseum, 2,700 fans show up to a Tuesday aver- day game. They're averaging like 3,400 fans. They're, they're averaging 6,300 fans uh, right now because of the weekend games. Because of the weekend weekend. Okay, weekend. okay. I feel better now. But, uh, I mean, Ethan, you've had first-hand experience being in Las Vegas, seeing the the potential property that they could be at, right? And then them not Shushing. showing. And Oakland then them, on the like, move? I mean, Back to back, they had back to back games with less than three thousand fans. It was the lowest attended game since nineteen eighty in my Major League Baseball. Let me throw out, let me throw out my case for why they should do this and why they'd be stupid not to. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's I mean, going to. O- Oakland, Oakland, knows Oakland it. rejected another, um, or the city rejected another plan yep. for a, a potential ballpark, the Howard Terminal it's, Stadium. It's, it's yeah. not. It, they're they're on the move. But you look at the amount of money that goes into Vegas. You look at teams like Vegas. Or Vegas, like the Golden Knights, mm. right? I mean, you look at the amount of success that they've had, the Raiders and the I mean, you're gonna get a beautiful stadium, right? You're gonna get a beautiful stadium. Um when what other time are you going to see random fans, for example, the Nashville Predators, right? Or the Blues. What other time are you gonna see people wearing those jerseys in Vegas? Uh, never never that's the point of it is that it brings in unique fans okay so hey we got a weekend series we got a thursday game okay let's let's fly down to vegas let's go to the game on thursday and then we gamble the rest of the weekend i mean it makes perfect sense from a from a from an owner's standpoint of it's you're going to bring in a lot of visiting fans but also i mean Vegas has proven that they have a good fan base in the golden knights and the raiders i mean the following from them in the last couple years has been awesome it's been great so there is a a liking for it there so i think that i mean at this point it makes perfect sense for the a's to head down to vegas all i'm saying is i feel really bad if i'm living in oakland like i remember when the rams left and being so po'd at Cronky. like the city's doing it to themselves it's mm-hmm. not even someone outside of that well, they, saying, they don't have the mayor's support she's yeah, she's she's been all talk and and not showing it this is uh, the third different stadium project that has got rejected by the city gotcha. of oakland um, yeah, so probably the last topic we end up covering. Aaron Rodgers. Does he have potential to win a Super Bowl if they never went if they never draft a first round wide receiver? He's on the last leg of his career. 
What do you guys think? Do you guys think that the Packers hate Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I, it's look, just weird. It's strange. So weird what is happening. You sign the man to a deal to the point where you can't have anyone else. I mean, the reason he said in he said in a video the other day that he was he was he was surprised that Devontae left, right? That well, the reason he left is because they couldn't afford him because of yep. your massive contract. Yep. <laughs> I mean, for the Packers, the Packers were better off letting go of Aaron Rodgers, in my yes, opinion. I agree. It's not a question. I agree. You, you, let, him ha- let him host Jeopardy. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you look at how they how they built up Aaron Rodgers. It was under a couple of years with Brett Favre, right? I mean, that is exactly what it seemed like the setup was for Love. Where they're going or what direction they're going now, it's very questioned because at this point, by the end of these four years, Jordan Love's going to have been in the league for what? Six years? Almost. Six years? Almost. You're not telling me that Jordan Love's going to be a backup for six years in this league, right? No. At some point, they're going to trade him. Yep. So it, it, it just it makes you question, what's the point? What's yeah. the point behind it? They haven't gone out and gotten a receiver. At this point, his number one receiver is going to be Lazard, right? Yeah. Or Lazard, sorry. What the what the heck is going on? You lose Valdez Scantling. So you just question what the identity of this team is. It seems like, uh, uh, it seems like a team that just wants to watch Aaron Rodgers yeah. walk out into the sunset and say, congratulations for being one of the best of all time, but we're going to be mediocre for the next four years. The funniest part is the Packers traded up early in the second round to get a wide receiver, but they said, we're not going to, tr- we're not going to use a first round pick to get a wide receiver. All this being said, I still think they're the favorite in the NFC North. Probably. I do think there's teams that compete for it though. Absolutely. The Vikings no, make yeah. it interesting. It, it, it's close. But Bears, I still think I'm curious to see what Justin Field does uh, in, in year two. Yep. Love it. So sure. there's and then you got a Lions team that's trying to rebuild. I'm not saying they compete. I'm just saying like the North. Put it on the board. It's getting put a, it on the board. Oh god, <laughs> it's getting a little bit more interesting. So yes. it'll be interesting to yes. keep an eye on. But here's the thing too: is they're set up to be a what a nine ten win team probably for the next couple of years. That's mm. not going to give them any top level draft picks. No, they're I'll not going to be getting lucky the top they're, receiver. They're lucky in they're the not draft. in the AFC. They're lucky they're not in the AFC. We'll see what we'll see what happens. That wraps up the. Uh, the National Nine and yep. concludes our episode four podcast. Boys, this was fun. Great. Great time. Good time. Yeah. Some hot takes all over. Brandon and I are going to be arm wrestling after this. Rock, paper, scissors. Best of seven. Say that the fourth best of movie in the series is the best, don't they? I think they say that. I got to stop using Ron Tomatoes. Yeah. I've used that stab too many to times. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in from Brandon Gallegos, TJ Williams, and Shout out to Papa Walt again.